Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. Welcome to today's episode. Yes, of Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward, because we never say that. No, because the don't. intro music says it. I so know, we don't but sometimes, well, some other podcasts still do that, though. I was listening to some today and I was like, <laughs> oh, that's weird. But it makes sense. But that's weird. Anyways. We have a guest today. A guest. Hi. This is our first guest. This is our great and wonderful friend, Crystal. Hello. You're setting that's quite me. the president, pre- precedent for us, so. This is an historic <laughs> this, day. It is. It really is. No it's pressure momentous. whatsoever. Not at all. No. <laughs> we got, you got this. We believe in you. It's going to be great. We're all here to just share opinions and be lovable garbage like mm. we always are. So yeah. it'll like work how out. we know how to be. Yeah. Anyway, so today we are diving in to cover... Oh, how are we going to say this? We want to talk about the things that people don't like to talk about. Yes, and so we're going to touch on a lot of the things, but we're not going to dive too deep on most of them because we know we want to do complete episodes of them at a later point in time. So a lot of the topics that we're going to be mentioning um, will get more context and more time on the podcast at another point. But for today, the whole episode Mm -hmm. is really talking about the reason why we want to talk about these taboo Mm -hmm. topics. We kind of set a precedent Mm -hmm. in our first episode Mm -hmm. saying we're going to be talking about these meaty subjects that Mm -hmm. are awkward and uncomfortable to talk about. And we're going to bring them to light in a open, honest, and mildly educated way because we <laughs> mostly share our opinions on these things while doing a little bit of research beforehand. Yeah. Some scripture is also involved. Yeah. Because, you know, we're trying. We and are. Talks and such. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Those are. Those are good. We are nowhere near experts, but we feel like these topics are important to discuss and to make them less awkward in the future. We have to start somewhere. Exactly. And so this is kind of our first step into diving into everything like we've been promising. So we're really excited to dive in um, because it's really important, at least to us personally, that a lot of topics do get discussed, especially in this modern day and age. Like there is so much crap going on. We can't keep shoving things under a rug. Yeah. That doesn't work anymore. The rug is full. Nobody can step on it. If there is stuff (laughs) under it, we are breaking it and that's not good for anybody. Yeah. So we're kind of done with that. And it's time that we start addressing the topics that need to get addressed. While we don't want to shine the light on them, you know, and give them a spotlight, they still need to get discussed to a certain extent too, in order for us to fully understand them and to be able to move on with our lives. I think that there's a lot of personal struggles that people endure in their lives that they're too afraid to bring up with anyone, that they're even too scared to bring to their bishop, to their friends, to their loved ones. And it's time that we start talking about these things so that we can feel closer to the spirit and feel closer to those that we love and especially closer with the Lord. Yeah, I think it can be hard to, because I... I've seen the list obviously we'll tell you guys what's on the list but like I brought up one to uh, Tracy just a couple weeks ago and I had been wanting to maybe talk about it for a while but I just wasn't and like we're good friends mm-hmm. and yet there's still just this fear of judgment and if what if this person disagrees with me and then what if that affects their opinion of me um, and my faith and my testimony and that shouldn't matter but it does because we care about what our family and our friends think of us and finding that solidarity with each other so I think it can be like a lot of these topics are ones that it's not just the church in general that it's 
a fear of talking about or like in Sunday school it's also just like person to person how that would affect our feelings on of each other mm-hmm. all right yeah so what I want to do is follow up with Crystal's comment um, regarding an article that was written by Caleb Warnock and the Daily Herald and he said that historically some subjects are simply not openly discussed within the church but the internet has made it difficult for families and official church literature to sidestep controversial elements of its history as a result, both families and wards find themselves struggling with how to address issues for which there's no official church literature. And so like you were saying, Crystal, like there's so much content, there's so many ideas that we are struggling with internally that we want to better discuss and talk to with other people that we don't have enough to really go off on. So we're left to use our agency and to think through these ideas. And there's always been this discomfort within the church to discuss a lot of them. Whereas with this modern day and age, we need to be able to do that. Like we can't keep ignoring it. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand a topic, obviously you're gonna go to someone that understands a certain topic more than you. And you're gonna ask them questions and you're going to pick their brain and find out where they learned all of this information. Mm -hmm. And that's your cue to listen and to just like soak in everything. Obviously, if you disagree with something, you can voice your opinion, but don't Mm -hmm. like say that they're horrible and wrong all the way back down to Adam and Eve about it. Yeah, we don't have the right to judge. It's really (laughs) just taking in your emotional intelligence into perspective and being like, okay, I'm here to listen and to learn what's on their mind of what they're thinking about. But we're all still allowed to have our own opinions at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so we don't talk about a lot of things, mostly because I feel that we do want to focus on the things that we need to be working on. So we want to make sure that we're highlighting the atonement, that we're focusing and discussing the subjects that we really need to know better, which is understandable. We want to focus on the more important things, but it's important that we still don't sweep everything under the rug. Yeah, I think it's important like in Sunday school, in church on Mm -hmm. Sundays, that we are focusing on core concepts of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Because especially, you never know where anybody is in their spiritual development. You have a couple of new converts versus people who've been in the church for years. And when the people who've been in the church for years start going into all of the like deep, not so much like Kaylee likes (laughs) to talk about (laughs) going into things like that and we have newer members who granted like newer members are supposed to be going to gospel principles but still like Mm -hmm. I do think it's important to have Sunday school be a core principles of the gospel of Mm -hmm. having that be the focus whereas a lot of other things can and I don't want to say should but they kind of should be taught within the home spectrum when it's possible people can feel the spirit leave very quickly when we get to a topic that they are uncomfortable with that they Mm -hmm. feel shame about and it makes the entire room uncomfortable. Exactly. Sensitive subjects do need to be discussed, but at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even with the like taboo topics, at their core, they're kind of a simple topic. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just that we have taken them to a point in church culture where we have made them uncomfortable and we have yes. made them mm-hmm. heavier and more awkward than they need yes. to be. Right. Like it would be a much simpler conversation of, okay, but what about this? Cool. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead it's become, oh, we, um, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, all of this discomfort attached to it. And then it, there's some shame that gets attached to it and guilt. And it mm-hmm. becomes that much more difficult to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's like, here, we have a commandment. Love one another. Yes. But which ones? Everyone. Yeah. Are you sure? Like, though? What about, what, yes, what about this though? <laughs> like I, what, wait a minute. What about, and so, yeah, so we, we like to, we like to complicate things. But now we're kind of going to talk more into those, like, taboo topics, quote-unquote taboo, as deemed the by the culture of topics. the church, you know, <laughs> because 
people in the church don't like to talk about these things because they either don't understand them fully mm-hmm. or they just are uncomfortable for or the sake of being yeah. uncomfortable. There's like, shame, there's guilt, yeah. there's confusion, there's a, well, I prefer my opinion, so I don't really want to talk to it about talk about yeah. it with anyone because then I might be wrong and I would rather not change that. And, and there's yeah, the whole there's thought of like, this is a very personal opinion to me. I don't want you to judge my personal yeah. opinion and I don't want to put like, what I truly think, feel, and believe out on display like that and be yeah. in that kind of vulnerable situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, But don't worry, we will, because we're in the podcast. <laughs> we are here to be vulnerable and not awkward. Wait, we will what? tell you. I, I oh, don't make it as long as it's That's all I know, Tracy. I mean... I didn't know that was part of this. No. I mean... Not awkward in the sense of like, we're going to just talk about these things. Yeah. Oh. We're still awkward humans, but yeah. we're just going to talk about it. We're going to do it anyway. Even if we don't know a whole heck of a lot about these things. Because guess what? I don't know a lot about a lot of things. Amen. Yeah. Okay, so the right. first thing on our list is caffeine. Caffeine. Coca-Cola. Coffee. The yeah. word of wisdom has a lot of gray areas where right. the term hot drinks hot are drinks. concerned. Right, hot because drinks, it's hot drinks, drinks, but then it's not hot chocolate. Yeah. But then it is or tea, it question mark, but it's not. And I it's know. iced I coffee. So tea, much confusion. Right, like iced coffee and iced tea are cold. Nitro cold brew? That's oh. definitely not hot. That's right. No. No. There's a lot of gray areas in the word of wisdom. So there was a recent article that came out kind of highlighting Mm -hmm. the word of wisdom. There is a great quote. It says, the word coffee isn't always in the name of coffee drinks. So before you try what you think is just some new milkshake flavor, here are a couple of rules of thumb. I'm sorry, that's hilarious. It's one. (laughs) One, if you're in a coffee shop or any other shop that's well known for its coffee, the drink you're ordering probably has coffee in it. So either never buy drinks at coffee shops or always ask if there's coffee in it. Two, drinks with names that include cafe, mocha, latte, espresso, or anything ending in chino usually have coffee in it and are against the word of wisdom. Except for some frappuccinos at Starbucks. Right. Yeah. They definitely don't have coffee in them. Half the time, I'm the kind of person who's like, I want this frappuccino and don't put coffee in it. And they just look at me and they're like, there's no coffee in it. I'm like, I'll just be really clear about it. Just wanted to make sure. Just to be clear. (laughs) Well, of course, we have like, we have friends in our ward that are Starbucks baristas. Yes. And can tell you all of the non-coffee related drinks that they sell Mm -hmm. at Starbucks. There's Mm -hmm. plenty. There are plenty of options out there for you. They also have some really good food. If anybody, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't, I don't just that. avoid Starbucks because they sell the devil's bean. Okay, like <laughs> they sell reusable cups and mugs. They have really delicious chocolate dipped madeleines. They have a good Thanksgiving sandwich. Coffee shops they have usually the egg have bites. Sorry, coffee shops usually have Wi-Fi as well, which is like also true. Really awesome if you're traveling abroad and mm-hmm. need. So I go to coffee shops a lot when I'm traveling. Yep. Yeah, and pastries. Mm-hmm. Anyways, people ask like, but what about Coca-Cola and Mountain Dew and <gasps> Dr. Pepper? I did have one of my coworkers. Once she realized that I do not drink coffee, I had a Coke the next day because sometimes I drink soda. Okay, and yeah. she just stared at me and she was like, "I thought you couldn't have caffeine." And she was <laughs> yeah. like, "What are you doing? I don't understand anymore." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah." 
it's it's hard to explain. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's, <laughs> yes, I do not drink coffee. Coffee is definitely one that I know I'm not supposed to drink. Yeah. I know that and much. Yet, if it's about the caffeine, if well. it's about the addictive element, mm-hmm. sodas are just as addictive. Sodas also have lots of caffeine, especially something like Mountain Dew or like Monster drinks, yeah. like Red oh, Bull. Yeah. Like those are so full of caffeine and and other chemicals that yeah. and are yet not are, good for your body. Right, and yet are supposedly okay by the word yeah. of wisdom, mm-hmm. whereas coffee is a hard pass. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, continuing in the article, it says, In 2012, church leaders clarified that the health code did not prevent members from drinking caffeinated soft drinks. So, like, they're saying it's okay, and yet hot coffee is not. Like, and then we get to tea. Because, tea. listen, I love tea. <laughs> I am a singer. I drink a lot of yeah. tea, and I drink a lot of herbal tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that same article, do you have that quote still? Uh, right here. So regarding tea, I was, I remember when this came out, I was actually like excited about it because I was like, cool, I can finally know about tea. And then as I was reading it, I was frustrated because it talks about green tea and black tea and that's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. But I drink herbal tea. I don't drink green tea (laughs) or black tea. And then it says green tea and black tea are both made from the leaves of the exact same tea plant. The only difference is that the leaves in black tea are fermented and in green tea they're not. They're both tea and against the word of wisdom. Cool. I got that. I agree. Mm-hmm. Some drinks have tea in them, but don't advertise that fact. So always check the ingredients. Also, iced tea is still tea. And that's all it says about tea. That is yeah. it. It doesn't address herbal teas no. or milk teas. And no. I drink a lot of both of those. Mm-hmm. No. And neither of them have caffeine. They're not addictive. When I say I drink a lot, it's not in an addictive way. It's usually in a, oh, my throat is sore. And Mm -hmm. lemon tea helps my throat feel better because I'm a singer. And again, that's my profession. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) All right. Yeah, so the only further explanation I've gotten from it is basically the same thing from my sister who would drink all the herbal teas on her mission in Ukraine. And so she just said that as long as it's not a colored leaf that's in there, then it's okay to drink. So black white and green teas you can't have i know you're giving me both weird faces i don't leaf? know what color those leaves are so you <laughs> literally it, so if it just says green tea black tea or a white or a white leaf what color in there are the leaves of turmeric? i don't know i right of now what? i have a ginger turmeric? peach turmeric tea that i'm drinking Let's or a I'm lemon honey ginger tea that i'm drinking I'm also just not big on teas, so, like, the tea thing has never yeah. been, like, an issue for me. Whereas it's, for me, yeah. it's definitely a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's one topic that we will dedicate a future episode to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Obviously, we have a lot yeah. that we yeah. need to go into. Honestly, yeah. There's so much more. Um, and then here's another fun, sensitive one for ourselves. Racial tensions. Racism! Yay! <laughs> Everyone's favorite word. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean, you'd think that things have gotten easier at some point. That's definitely how I was raised to believe things. Um, it's you know. okay. We let black people have the priesthood now, and now everything's perfect. <sighs> when did that happen again, Crystal? 1978. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it that that's the argument that is always put forth. Like, yeah. but it's okay because, like, we let black people get the priesthood and get baptized. We solved it's it fine. Now. Like, everything's okay now. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not. It, uh, does, it reminds me of uh, the, the Book of Mormon scripture with the, um, a Bible, a Bible, we have a Bible, and now there can be no more Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With it, it's that same, to me, it's that same concept of, like, racism, we solved it, great, and now we don't have to work on it anymore. Okay, so continuing in that Daily Herald article that I read, they discussed the fact that it was not really, like we, our church definitely tried to avoid talking about it. Um, so 
So my quote says, For decades, Mormon scholars were openly told by church authorities not to write about race or other fraught topics. Scholars in the 1960s and 1970s who were exploring how black members came to be forbidden entrance into LDS temples were told the church would be harmed by any spotlight on the issue and scholars could lose their church standing. But today, in a reversal of that policy, the church put out an official statement about its history of race relations, and that statement discredited what had been taught from LDS pulpits for generations. Um, so yeah. this so this quote is coming from Caleb's article by Joanna Brooks, who is an award-winning religious scholar and writer. It continues on, those examples show that the internet has eroded the church's ability to manage the LDS message. Women of color are likely to soon be the statistical majority of church members, and they have questions about the church's history of dealing both with issues of gender and race. While the church has routinely deflected any attempts to discuss such issues, such deflection is no longer possible. And so yeah, there's still a lot that I don't even know about how the church first treated members who were black or Asian or of any other color, I guess. We know from church history mm. that like a lot of the brethren back in like Joseph and Brigham Young's time were very racist yeah. and very anti-black people. See, and that's just something that I've been learning in like the last year. Yeah, and so that's a thing that you kind of have to do your own research for. Mm -hmm. I know we always talk about in Sunday school that, like, you need to be careful while you're, where you're doing your research, but, like, it's the true. The church is true. The yeah. people who run it are not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The church is perfect. Well, the gospel is perfect. Yeah. Not the church. The gospel <laughs> is perfect. The people are not. You also have to remember that when you're going into the history of the church, too, that, like, the Lord saw fit to bring back the church at a specific time. That is a time period where racial tensions were huge yeah. in the country. It's not something that we can kind of differentiate and say like, oh, but the church was doing all of these wonderful things. So obviously racism wasn't happening in the church. No, racism was still right. very much happening in the mm -hmm. church because guess what? The Civil War was going on right when the church was getting like was getting its, its feet yeah. and like growing. Exactly. So clearly racism was going to be something that people in the church were going to have to face during that time period. Mm -hmm. And that had to have influenced some of the decision making that went into place with the church early on. Right. In yeah. the same way that we have a certain level of historical forgiveness and context in remembering that. George Washington, who was our first president, who we love, also owned slaves. Mm -hmm. um, Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Sally Hemings, that's a whole fun thing. Mm -hmm. um, so in that same level of, like, we revere these people, but we understand that they were not perfect, um, you put it in the context, it still doesn't make it okay. It still doesn't make it okay that right. an entire um, society of people enslaved a different society of people. Yeah. But we do have that level of historical context and forgiveness in a small way that then transfers to if that behavior were around today, we would be able to acknowledge that's unacceptable and mm -hmm. that is not allowed to move forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, does. it doesn't well, age well. That's basically yes. it. Like, yeah. that sort of behavior would definitely not be tolerated now. If we came to find out that, like, the prophet now had slaves, we'd all be like, I'm sorry, right. what? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that's a laughable concept. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, it's just, that's really it. Like, you have to take history with a grain of salt but also remember mm -hmm. that like the lord is trying to teach us all something in this whole process mm -hmm. obviously with like leadership back in the day the lord was trying to teach them i'm sure for years and years and years like you need to let black people have the priesthood and people were just so caught up in racism at the time that they were mm -hmm. probably shutting that revelation right. out like absolutely not that's unheard of yeah. and then when someone finally came to like 1978 and said 
why don't black people have the priesthood? The Lord was probably like, finally, I've been saying this for for years. Like, it's a great time to make Mm -hmm. this change. Thank you so much for being humble enough to finally ask me. Yes, that should not be the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it's interesting to note that, like, 1978 is still a good 10 years after um, Martin Luther King was assassinated. Like, yeah. it was a good 10 years after the height of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so still a bit slow to the uptake, but very grateful that they finally, that they, the leaders of the church, because we know that they don't act without all being uh, unanimous. Mm-hmm. So grateful that all 15 of the apostles and first presidency were able to humbly ask that question and get the answer that God was saying, no, please let them have the priesthood and being yeah. able to make that policy change and move forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that leads perfectly into the next topic, which is the LGBTQ community. Yeah. A very um, touchy subject still today. I feel like this is probably our, our generation's racism yeah. in the church. Yes. Because yeah. the church has basically agreed to ignore it like it's the giant elephant in the room that they're like it does not exist if we don't look at it some leaders are starting to open up about it more like elder d todd christopherson we Mm -hmm. know that he talks very candidly about the lgbtq community because Mm -hmm. his brother is gay Mm -hmm. and we know that there are other members of church leadership that are very anti-discussing this because they are still very adamant that it's a sin or a trial for people to overcome in their lives. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they don't want to address the elephant in the room. I think it's going to be one of those topics that is continuously brought up and discussed within the Brethren, and we're not going to see that kind of like 1978 resolution Mm. until... Right, until all 15 of them can be in agreement. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the 15 of them are in agreement. Exactly. I think there are some that are very much like, we need to make these changes and we need to ask the Lord. And there are some that are like, no, we need to remember this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I do wish that, and maybe there is, and I just don't know how to look for it or how to find it, but I would love to see um, literature about what it was like to be a member of the church in um, the 1960s and 1970s before um, the policy change in 78. Because I know in my own life, I know many, many people who have left the church for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father sends them into my life and they become my friends after, well after they've left the church. And so I, I just know so many people who have left the church specifically over um, LGBT issues. And I would love to see if that was the case for race relations in the 60s and 70s um I would love to find solidarity with those people 50 years after the fact and Mm -hmm. it's just yeah it's very it's such a personal issue for so many people as I imagine being barred from the temple was for um members of color back in the day so hard yeah so if any of our listeners out there um happen to know of any resources that we could share with that we could read ourselves and share with you that would be really wonderful because yeah Racism and LGBTQ, like the exclusion of our brothers and sisters within the church is, it's just heartbreaking as a general thing. And it, it's hard for people to deal with. Some people seem to take it easier because they don't see the connection. They don't see the the person piece of everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas there are other people who are being uh, personally, they're being personally affected by these issues. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you that's not something you can ignore. There are going to be parts of our lives that there are going to be parts of us that we need to 
to understand and and learn more about and if we can't do that within the church then it's going to be very hard for people to stay within the church to stay part of it to find that help that they're really looking for yeah and we can definitely see just over the last like 10 years how this has morphed into a bigger a bigger issue than it needs to be because like we had said earlier in the episode jesus said to love one another Mm -hmm. blanket period love one another and now like over the last 10 years people have been like but what about the gays but what about the trans but what about this and it's just like the lord is still screaming from heaven like (laughs) i meant everyone please stop this and people are like what only straight people okay i heard that yeah i heard it all right oh my god so it's like because we had in 2008 2009 we had prop 8 in utah mm-hmm. in and, california oh, oh in california yeah. thank you girl i was I, there for that my family I'm and i mixed up i was holding signs saying not like whatever it was to keep families the way they're supposed yeah. to be like and then i had people on the road like serving at me which is understandable yeah. it's interesting you say yeah. that because i do think allowing people to have personal growth is so important yes. um cancel culture of finding uh comments that people made 10 or 11 years ago and deciding mm-hmm. that they can't um talk anymore now i don't think that that's uh, very productive. I if they still feel that way, such as right. our president and the tape from Access Hollywood, that's pretty obvious. But don't mean to get political. Um, <laughs> but for um, for me, like I was a supporter of Prop Eight at the time, mm-hmm. and I am very much not a supporter anymore. Yeah, same. Um, and I think that we all have individually had different paths in our lives that have led us to believe that that was not the right choice. And if I were to look at Facebook statuses of my own from 12 years ago, mm-hmm. I would not like people thinking that that's who I am today because it's not. Yeah. It's so important that you say that the growth and the change has to happen. And we need mm-hmm. to applaud people for having those periods of growth and right. those changes. And encourage right. them on those paths. Yes. Rather than shaming them for what they said mm-hmm. 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah. Right. Because the whole point of this life is to change and to grow mm-hmm. and to be on this spiritual journey where you are trying to become more Christ-like. Exactly. And if like 10 or 12 years ago you were spewing hate, and now you have come to realize that that you've come to realize that the savior would not have you do any of those things and that you want to make those changes then we should be encouraging you and uplifting you for making the right. necessary steps to make those changes and i think as controversial as i might sound when i say this <gasps> tracy no i know I honestly feel like the 2019 reversal of that policy of saying same-sex marriage is apostasy and all that other stuff, I feel like uh-huh. that was... And the children of, of yeah same-sex couples not being allowed to be baptized, not being allowed to um, hold the priesthood up until they are old enough to renounce their parents. Yes. I feel mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the reversal of that policy was... Growth. Growth. Yes. yes. And exactly. even though I know that it upset a lot of my friends... I know I have a lot of people in my life because of that policy. Yes. I have a lot of friends. You mean because before it had been reversed or because it got reversed? So they did this year. I know people that left earlier this year when this reversal was made because the church specifically didn't come out and apologize to those families that had been affected with the 2015 policy. It was, they felt it was more of a band-aid than a real solution. I see. Yes. No, that makes sense. And I totally understand understand. and I I support them no matter what. Because it was just a policy reversal. They didn't really like, like you said, they didn't apologize. They didn't make a statement or anything like that. They didn't necessarily make things better. Yeah. They just Mm -hmm. undid the policy from three and a half years ago. Yes. Mm -hmm. Even though like I 
understand their thoughts on this whole yeah. process and I am not trying to diminish their thoughts whatsoever or say that I judge them for it because I still love them very very much and they're important people in my life Mm-hmm. But I really feel like that change in early 2019 was the church's moment of like, we messed up really badly. We let our human side take over and mm-hmm. we didn't let Heavenly Father run the church mm-hmm. when we made that policy. Mm-hmm. And so we need to fix that. Let's change that immediately and do what the Lord wants us to right. do. It was growth and it, it yeah. wasn't enough from a lot of people's perspective um and it's never going to be enough no, no. matter who you are but it was still like you said it, it was, was growth. A, it was a small step and it was growth it is and it's i mean it's yeah it's definitely not perfect but the church has been slowly making small steps that i think are headed in the right direction it's going to take a lot of time clearly but I do think and a that, lot of prayer and a lot yes. of humility mm-hmm. and a lot of questioning if what you've been taught is of god or of man yeah, mm-hmm. and but, that comes from everyone, not just the direct leaders of the church. That's on right. everyone's yes. part too. That's everyone. true. All of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I and I do feel that I have seen a little bit of that growth in the people and in things that the church is trying to do. It's still not perfect, but they're trying to do small things. And I feel like the last presidencies have been trying to do small things. We have more support groups. They are still supportive of a lot of things. It, it, like I said, it's not perfect, but at least they're starting to do something. Mm-hmm. And if they can only give us an inch right now, then at least it's an inch yeah. and mm-hmm. not negative space. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll get the rest soon. But yeah, and then continuing on that, there has been more improvement in another direction, which is on mental health. Yes. That is definitely something that I have seen make a, a lot more progress in the last 10 years. Growing up myself, at least my parents didn't believe in it. They thought it was so, like, people don't really have problems. Like, it's it's just... They didn't believe in, like, depression and anxiety yes. as, like, a real illness. Exactly. They're like, oh, that's just bogus. Like, if you really wanted to, if you just got back to work, if you went outside for a little bit, you'd do better mm-hmm. and everything. And yeah. I feel like that's how even the church taught it to a certain extent. They're like, oh, you're feeling down? Well, then here's everything you can do to fix it. Right. Like, you're not you're praying not... enough. You're not living the gospel well mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you live the gospel, you should be happy. You should be able to find yeah. joy. So you need if to you pray are depressed, more. then you're obviously not doing that right. Right. You're yeah. doing something right. wrong. You need to repent more. It'll be fine. That was another mentality that I grew up with. Whereas I've definitely changed that as well, especially when college came around and changed everything. So mental health is definitely real and mental lack of health is definitely real. And um, there are more steps being taken, especially to protect missionaries going Mm -hmm. out. I went to one of my family, a family ward recently and one of the girls talked about it and she said she had to delay her mission for like six months, Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, which I can't imagine having to put that on hold, but because of past issues, uh, it was important that she make sure that she was in a good headspace and yeah. comfortable yep. being able to go out and the church didn't want to send her out if anything was going to happen because we've had more than enough more than enough missionaries go out and come back because their mental health is falling apart. Because right. A mission is so difficult. Which it is. is. Part of why I never wanted to go on one. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, yeah. but I don't know, like, I lived in Japan for a while and culture mm-hmm. shock was really difficult for oh, about a yeah. month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Tracy, I'm sure you can understand. Like, yep. the, not only was it culture shock, but also you're on a mission, which is a whole different lifestyle from what you're yep. used to. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to handle, and it's a lot to ask the brain to just deal with. Yep. Mm-hmm. Your normal coping mechanisms mm-hmm. are, you can't use them anymore. Your emotional lifelines of yep. your yep. parents so and your, your family is gone. Everything. Mm-hmm. 
everything that you normally would do to like adjust to change or to handle things or to process new information gone right and so i think that is the greatest thing that the church has decided in the last few years is that every missionary has to go see a therapist before they finish their papers that's and right. you if the therapist says that. yeah that's brand new like wow. this year new and if a therapist says like we need to talk a little bit more yeah. then they'll hold off submitting your papers until wow. you're completely ready to go see and i like i as i said i lived in japan for two years and that was i think that i had depression before i went and i had anxiety before i went but it was mm -hmm. never as bad as it was over there mm -hmm. and that was i was just working over there so i still had my phone and my laptop and i could yeah. still skype my family i mean i couldn't skype them at any hours of the day because it was the time difference right. but i had those lifelines available to me and it was still the hardest time of my life so not yeah. having those and being forced to rely on a new person every six weeks or like a mission president that you're still getting to know like and that's nothing against those relationships and it's good to learn how to build new relationships like that mm -hmm. but to expect people to create an emotional lifeline with someone that they barely know is a lot to ask of someone it's so wonderful to see how the church is recognizing that like we need to give everyone an even playing field when it comes to going on a mission. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that everyone is okay mentally. Mm -hmm. Everyone yeah. needs to talk because what have we learned? Everybody needs therapy. Yes. Yeah. And can... we need everyone to have an opportunity to figure things out mm -hmm. and figure it out completely safe and controlled atmosphere and environment. Right. Mm -hmm. I've been so grateful for Elder Holland for the last however many years because he first started opening up to talk about if you are experiencing depression and then mm -hmm. more recently he himself admitted that he has dealt with depression in his life mm -hmm. and I find so much solidarity because it's one thing to see the brethren and see they're very faithful they're doing great I'm supposed to be taking my advice from them mm -hmm. um, and feel like I'm very broken because I can't get my mental health in order but then yes. to see him who is someone that I deeply love and respect also admit that he has struggled with that there's so much um connection and ability to stop questioning that i'm doing okay because i can see mm. someone who i love and respect dealing with the same issues exactly so. shameless plug for a conference talk do it october 2013 yep. it's yeah. elder holland's talk mm -hmm. like a broken vessel where he specifically starts the talk by saying i want to address those of you who are struggling mentally or emotionally mm -hmm. that like very first sentence of his talk just encapsulates everything and is like i am here to talk to you specifically i do have one quote that he used in the talk and it's right at the beginning he says we hear professionals speak of neuroses and psychoses, of genetic predispositions and chromosome defects, of bipolarity, paranoia, and schizophrenia. However bewildering this all may be, these afflictions are some of the realities of mortal life, and there should be no more shame in acknowledging them than in acknowledging a battle with high blood pressure or the sudden appearance of a malignant tumor. And I think, I could be wrong, but I think in that same talk he also said, if your appendix was about to burst, Heavenly Father would expect you to get a priesthood blessing and go to the hospital. Exactly. And just yes. like with your mental health, we expect you, yes, of, of course, turn to the Lord, pray. Mm -hmm. But also seeing a doctor for your mental health is not wrong and it's not mm -hmm. bad. Yes. Not at all. There's no shame in going and seeking help for your mental health. Mm -hmm. um, the church has also updated not really updated, but clarified. I think it's kind softened. of updated. Updated, clarified, softened, 
the doctrine, not really the doctrine, but the, but the, but the, like, verbiage. Well, I thought there had been a situation where they were like, suicide is a sin. I got you on that one. Okay. I got you. So, talking about suicide, um, it's been clarified to explain that those who die by suicide aren't automatically cast into outer darkness or sent to hell or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, there's a quote by Elder Renlund. It came from actually this last year. It's in the Deseret News. He says, there's an old sectarian notion that suicide is a sin and that someone who commits suicide is banished to hell forever. That is totally false. I believe the vast majority of cases will find that these individuals have lived heroic lives and that that suicide will not be a defining characteristic of their eternities. And this is completely building off of an article by Elder Ballard in 1987 called Suicide, Some Things We Know and Some We Do Not. And you can find that on LDS.org. Or ChurchofJesusChrist.org. Yeah, I still say LDS.org. <laughs> I don't care. Um, I know that I should, but I just don't care. Um, in the article, he says suicide is a very grievous sin, which I feel like people have mutated into saying like, oh, well, Elder Ballard said suicide is a grievous sin, so everyone is going to hell if they commit suicide. Mm, okay. Like, I think that's where it's come from. I see. Oh, I don't, because the rest of the article, he really explains that like, we don't know what's going to happen in the eternities, but we mm. know that the atonement covers all things, and we know that the Savior is that's merciful true. regardless of what you've done in your life. Right, we've all sinned. So, so like, there's like... no way that the Lord would just cast you out. Um, But he goes on to say, judgment for sin is not always as cut and dry as people seem to think. He explains further that only the Savior can provide fair and true judgment on people, including those who take their own lives. He is a merciful and loving Savior. He alone knows all the facts, and he alone can see the thoughts and intents of the hearts of the people of earth. He will extend his mercy to them, just as he extends his mercy to you and to me. There's no defining thing that says like if you commit suicide you are going straight to hell he references in his article the suicide section from mormon doctrine by bruce r mcconkey uh and even bruce r mcconkey doesn't say that like if you commit suicide that you're going to hell like he doesn't even say that in his book thank you all right so another awkward taboo topic especially with lots of shame and guilt associated with it all of it is masturbation Ugh, we're not 13-year-old boys. It's an awkward topic, for sure, mm-hmm. and it's never clearly stated or discussed anywhere. It's kind of, like, no. glossed over. Well, yeah, even if... I want to say it was in the For the Strength of Youth pamphlet when we were teens, but, It like, is, but it's just the word. Like, even... Because really I, yeah. I did some research. I did some research today. You, Tracy. <laughs> where looking up, like, the law of chastity and For the Strength of Youth, right. youth and all those other things, like, mm-hmm. how we grew up, Mm-hmm. It literally says, like, obviously the awkward thing of, like, heavy petting and necking, right. which, <laughs> honestly, nobody I understands those terms. Is. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking to but, the wrong generation here. But it does say, like, to avoid all of these other things, and it mm-hmm. will list, like, masturbation, but then it won't go into details as to why mm-hmm. on any of the topics. It just says, the law of chastity encompasses all of these things, and then it has mm-hmm. the, like, 50,000 word list of all of these things that encompasses (laughs) and then it moves on Mm -hmm. so even more when I was looking things up today I was like let me look up on like lds.org what I can find about masturbation and I found it like three times yeah 
And then each time it was just the word, and then it moved on to something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I mean, in church, it doesn't get discussed. The closest it gets discussed is when we when they bring in pornography. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then they just gloss over, like, don't do anything. Don't do pornography. Don't right. It's do always that. associated like, with pornography. Yeah. yeah. But that not, is not the case for a lot of people. No. no. That, those, are, those are still separate things. Yeah. One is what an action, and one is a type of media yeah like one an action that you do while yeah you you can bring those together but they're media, not yeah. necessarily the same or always connected yes right mm. masturbation is often associated with pornography but masturbation is not only connected to pornography mm-hmm. yes and then today i actually listened to the mormon marriages podcast which shout out to that podcast it's wonderful they're and amazing. amazing in their first season in episode 13 they bring on Dr. Daniel Burgess, who is a therapist, and he specializes in, like, relationship therapy. And one thing that he talks about a lot in relationship therapy is masturbation. Mm -hmm. And he talks with married couples and says, okay, how do you feel about masturbation Mm -hmm. in your marriage? Do you feel like it's a necessary thing? Like, do you do it to each other? Like, anything like that. And he goes very deeply and, like, reverently discussing discussing masturbation. And he's Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't make sense. Well, this is what I took from it. Like, it doesn't make sense that you would tie masturbation on a ribbon that says, like, no, before (laughs) marriage. And then all of a sudden after marriage, it's okay to do that also. So, like, it's one of those things where we need to kind of talk about it more and we need to talk about it with people that understand the topic (laughs) in general. Like, the sex therapists that are Mm -hmm. coming out of the woodwork Mm -hmm. and are explaining things more. And if you ever watch YouTube videos of sex therapists, which I do sometimes because they're very interesting. (laughs) They're very educational and informative. They talk about a lot of things. They talk Mm -hmm. about, like, what is it? The science of desire. They talk Mm -hmm. about, like... The history of, like, masturbation and how it helped in the 1800s with, like, women in hysteria and, like, all of <laughs> yeah. these other things. So oh, it's, man. like, there's a play That's called so In the Next Room or The Vibrator Play, and it's about the invention of the vibrator. <laughs> I've heard um, of that. Yeah, I've heard of that play. As a treatment for women with hysteria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's, hilarious. it's one of those things that, like, historically it's been there forever Mm -hmm. we just need to do the right research for it yeah Mm -hmm. instead of being like hush hush don't talk about the m word tis shame (laughs) like (laughs) yeah yeah and it's so connected to the next one on the list which is sex and um like you said before like it's so fascinating that for us living single like the law of chastity is so much like nothing 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 and then on your wedding night it's like now everything yeah like you go from no 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 to go 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 (laughs) which i hate (laughs) i had to say it But it's just such a high expectation. I remember I was probably like 17 and I found this blog um, that just like scarred me for life. And I remember (laughs) it was a woman who, um, not scarred me for life, but it was a woman who was just saying like, I feel so bad for Christian women on their wedding night. And that just was baffling to me. It was a concept Mm -hmm. that I hadn't understood before, but like. In retrospect now, 13 years later, I can understand why she said that, why it is this, like, we have just been taught, especially connected with masturbation, not even to touch ourselves, Mm -hmm. and then to expect to be open to another person in that way, Mm -hmm. and that is such 
a sharp change to deal with and it's no wonder that that would be scary and uncomfortable and difficult Mm. um and some people are lucky that their first few months of marriage are really great i know um of one couple who that was not the case um for her she um experienced a lot of pain with sex and that was just it was trying on their marriage they were so happy to get married and to be together and then that was really difficult for them Mm -hmm. agreed and yeah that's actually one of my first uh situations as well like i i read a blog about this girl who just gotten married and it and she had sex for the first night on her wedding night and it, it was painful and she was confused and she was so ashamed of herself afterwards and she like there was no time for a transition there was no time to really understand how good of a thing it can be because we're taught for so long don't like don't even think about it to suddenly like yeah you should be doing this this is it's within the law of marriage this is something you should be right. doing with your yeah. husband like how are you supposed to make that transition within really like 24 hours yeah exactly i will be forever grateful to my bishop from when i was from also when i was 17 Mm -hmm. because he is the first and one of the only um leaders who i've ever had say to me that sex is a good thing Mm -hmm. you just have to wait until the bonds of marriage to enjoy it that it is a good Mm -hmm. thing it is a healthy part of a healthy relationship right and that was like the healthiest outlook on sex that i got from any adult yeah for my first Mm -hmm. like 25 years of life Mm -hmm. yeah uh, referencing what you're just talking about, Crystal, um, we can bring up Elizabeth Smart's story about after she was a victim of kidnapping and repeated sexual violence as a teenager, and Daily. now, she, yeah, and now she's an outspoken Mormon woman who's voiced the drastic pitfalls of our culture's view of sexual purity. Uh, one of the articles we that I read through it says that how one does not become spiritually unclean or lose spiritual purity if one is assaulted. Purity is only lost with intention. So I've listened to a lot of Elizabeth Smart's story and saying how when she was in young woman, she'd received that lesson of you know chewing gum like loses its flavor and becomes like, less good you have sex time. you're a chewed up piece of gum exactly or you one. become that that piece of tape that has too much hair on it if you put on your arm uh-huh. too much or the toothpaste one where you squeeze out all the toothpaste from the tube and say now put it back into the tube no, you can never put it back yeah. like yeah. i feel uh, like this is one of those topics where people you just need to get over it and yeah. start talking like come into the room like my health teacher did in high school and just yell penis and vagina get it out of your systems we're gonna get down to business and like talk facts because that's the only way you're going to finally get over the whole stigmas of like Mm -hmm. well this is awkward it's all private parts and private stuff and it should happen behind closed doors well you know what i'm Mm -hmm. sorry we're gonna talk about it open and honestly because there's no shame in it no it's normal it is sacred but those need to come together so we we can talk about them so that we can have conversations and be able to address things when we need to it's so easy to miss something when you're not properly educated and then to go into marriage and be like, yeah, I do. Or like even to get to the point where you are excited to have sex and you're like, let's do this. And then you're like, I'm sorry. Wait, what? Like, yeah, I don't I don't know what I'm what I don't. It's also so important to have sex ed and to understand what's happening so that then people are given the dialogue in order to deal with sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. especially young women, um, young people, you don't have the language to articulate what's even happened to you without guilt or shame if it's only taught to you the way Elizabeth Smart was taught. 
Mm-hmm. Um, she thought that she wasn't pure anymore mm-hmm. when nothing was ever her fault in that entire situation. So being able to articulate and to know your own worth in a situation of assault, like it comes from being able to talk healthily about sex and about um, gender and about body parts and all that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And then I want to dive into a quote pulled from a commentary from the Salt Lake Tribune shared by Rebecca Fetzer, who is or was a BYU student. But she goes on to say, culturally speaking, Mormons do not discuss sex in any concrete way. While we are encouraged to remain sexually pure and chaste, as is demarcated in the law of chastity, conversations about sexuality are often vague and awkward. It is almost taboo, and at the very least, incredibly socially uncomfortable to talk about sex within the Mormon cultural context. If sex is taboo in Mormonism, sexual violence is even more so. However, remaining mum only serves to alienate those that deviate from the cultural norm. By acknowledging that many Mormon women are the victims of sexual misconduct, and by teaching the true meaning of purity and the intricacies of the law of chastity, the conversation may begin to take place and the problematic notions of purity, virtue, and virginity can be abandoned. While opening a dialogue on the, to the complexity of consent and the harsh reality of sexual violence within our community is imperative, changing the way we speak about sexual purity and the law of chastity itself is even more crucial. So I just want to get that out because it is so important that we are comfortable, that we're able to talk about sex, about the importance of it, about the goodness of it, and the dangers that that women and men, that everyone can encounter at one time or another in their life. I think it's also important to note that it's not just opposite gender that can be unsafe. Um, Mm -hmm. We had in my ward growing up a scout leader, a male scout leader who abused some of the boys in the ward. That's right. So, and he went to prison. We can't allow conversations like this to be ignored. Mm -hmm. Anyways, let's talk about the church funds. <laughs> <laughs> so more recently, <laughs> one topic recently. <laughs> that has decided to come out of the woodwork is the $100 billion sitting around as potential tax fraud from the church. And this is something that is very convoluted and confusing and people are already... Tax law is very complicated and a lot of yeah. the principles are actually very vague. I've been listening to a few law referencing um, and court-related podcasts to learn more about it, as well as I have a friend in law school currently. So she's told me about a few things, and there's a lot of things that are very vague. Like, they leave a lot of room open in a lot of laws mm-hmm. so that they so that people can use them however they want. Yeah. Because as we all know, the, law system, the court system, to a certain respect, is flawed. And it, it doesn't mean whoever wins is right. It just means they have the better lawyer. They have the person who can convince the judge that what they're doing is okay. Yeah. And when it comes to tax law, that is very complicated and it's a mess. But because it's such like a convoluted mess of a mm-hmm. topic, no one wants to talk about it either. And like... And an insane amount of money. Yeah. And it's it's kind of funny to me now because the articles are coming out that like, church members have been lied to about what's happening with their tithing dollars. And I'm like, no, we've never been lied to about it. Everything in this complaint is stuff that I know my money was going towards. Yeah, it's, for me, it feels like someone that was just hoping to get like a little bit of an IRS payout. Yeah. Right. In my opinion, I I don't really know everything. I'm sure that there's stuff that we need to 
definitely work on. Right, because like you said, like, tax law is incredibly confusing and tax lawyers, um, for better or for worse, are basically always looking to find the loopholes for their clients. Mm-hmm. So if their client is the church and the church is trying to, because most of that money, if I, if I remember from what I read, was from an investment, which is why mm-hmm. it's separate from That's right. tax or whatever, because it's yeah. investment that has grown in the last 20 years. There is a tax lawyer who found a loophole and so it doesn't, I mean, obviously I don't know really what I'm talking about any more than anybody else does, but I have faith in our church leadership to be obeying the law as we believe in the um, 13 articles of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also believe that people are faulty and that it is totally possible that we were just trying to get the most amount of money and not disclosing those funds is politically convenient. Not politically in the sense of like American politics. It is just convenient to not disclose those funds um, to the church membership as a whole, mm-hmm. to the world as a whole. To not be questioned about how you're spending that money and all of that. I do remember when they were putting all that money into um, into City Creek mm-hmm. um, and why a lot of people were upset about that. And I still, to this day, I'm not really sure how I feel about that, but that was one of the things discussed in the whistleblower argument was that a lot of that money went towards buildings in Salt Lake City and yeah. not towards the humanitarian aid that we hope that it goes mm-hmm. to. I know that when I'm paying my tithing, I am hoping that that money is going to help people in need rather than build a mall in Salt Lake City. Yeah. But I also trust the church to prayerfully use those funds, but also acknowledge that people are faulty. Yeah. That's something that I came to understand more while I was on my mission because a lot, actually everything that you use as your like monthly allowance or your monthly budget as a missionary comes from the tithing fund. Mm -hmm. So the way that you use the money on the mission, too, is kind of, in a way, teaching you how the First Presidency and the church leadership uses the tithing funds in general for the church. So if you are understanding how to respect the funds that are being given to you by the widow who is scraping pennies together to still pay her tithing, and you're using it for things that you know you will need while you're a missionary versus things that you want to have fun with, Mm -hmm. then you have to think that, like, the brethren are probably going through this same sort of thought process that like the poorest among us are donating their tithing funds or they're paying their tithing to follow the law of the tithes and to honor that commandment we have to respect the least among us that are trying to make that sacrifice to follow the lord but Mm -hmm. honestly i also think of like in general conference um when brooke p hales gets up from the church auditing department and he reads the whole yeah. statement on oh, the church yes. financial thing. Do any of us really listen to that? <laughs> I do, actually. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. Someone does. <laughs> I actually really like, I'm the weird person that likes hearing from the church auditing department and mm-hmm. the statistical report, which they have subsequently removed from general conference, uh, which really irritates me. So but you can still read the statistics. And, yeah, I enjoy the statistical know, I love that. I mean, every year Brooke P. Hales always explains like, we follow the church tries to run the financial and auditing department as told and revealed in the scriptures in doctrine and covenants in reference to the law of the tithes Mm -hmm. and he'll like quote that whole section and then explain like what it was used for and like go more in details i feel like there's no cloak and dagger motives with the way that they're using the funds because they wouldn't send someone up to the pulpit at general conference every every year and be like, here's the update on tithing. Here's what's going on with the mm-hmm. funds. Like, they wouldn't do that if there was yeah. some sort of thing. $100 billion is a troubling amount of money. There's mm-hmm. a lot that could be done with $100 billion that's not mm-hmm. being done. Yeah. 
and I understand the people who find it unethical, and I am personally just prayerfully thinking about it myself. (laughs) Great, and I've been looking at all the media that's coming out that people have raised their own uh, concerns because they've had issues within the church where they've been on missions and they haven't had enough money, or they've had other situations, and you know the fact that we all help clean the buildings so that the church could save some money that there are things that are happening that we're like, okay, if there is that money, then why is it there and why are we not putting it to use? Mm-hmm. And that that is definitely a question that we're going to have, yeah. but we might not get that answer. We might just have to, you know, rely on our, our trust and the leaders that we believe have been called to God and to have faith that it is being put to use right. So okay. now that we've talked about everything all these Almost. different topics a lot of them we've and covered still a lot more. we just didn't get to all of them. So there many are many more. more but instead of having like a four hour long episode we decided to cut it down a lot but there will be episodes in the future that yes. deep dive into each of these topics and yes. then some and if you have so suggestions for topics that you would like to hear mm-hmm. about in the future you know yeah. that you can email us or mm-hmm. Drop us a note on Instagram or Facebook or something else. Wherever you can find us. Send us a carrier pigeon. (laughs) Well, no. They should not know where I live. I live at 125. That's not true. That's it's not, not true. It's not. So online only, please. Yeah. So ultimately, we just had great discussions about all of these topics. Oh. And we weren't that awkward. At least I don't think we were that awkward. We were very open and honest about these things. And even Awkwardness our... is subjective. Even our lack of knowledge on these topics we were honest about. Yes. So I think we need to take that as an example. We're not perfect, but that is kind of a perfect example of how we can discuss things as a culture of the church. Mm -hmm. As the body of the church, we can start having these open discussions and say like, hey, I don't know a lot about this, but this is what I know. What do you have to add to it? Let's see where we can find out more information together and we can learn and grow together to make these topics more understandable and make them more relatable so that way we can end the stigma around all of these topics exactly and that's really only the the way that we are going to learn and it's one of the best ways to grow our testimonies by putting our knowledge to use in where whatever way we can so i mean even just this episode i have learned so much from both of you ladies so thank you because i don't know i don't know everything that's been very clear (laughs) that's been very clear (laughs) through this podcast but yeah so this is a great opportunity and it's a great example of how we can start just trying to say things just as awkward as you have to be want to be just start saying something to people you trust and be like let's talk about this i want to learn more and that's Mm -hmm. what's great is like we have had a really productive conversation part of that is because i do know you and trust you and know that we agree about the majority of what we're talking about I think where it can get a lot more fearful um, is when you have no idea whether or not you will agree. And that's not because we agreed on everything, because we didn't, but um, that is definitely still a big barrier to moving forward, is being able to help soothe that fear with our relationships as we talk about these things. I like um, this quote by BYU philosophy professor James Falconer. He says, Real history, real lives, and real theology are incredibly messy. If we only look for things that reaffirm what we already know, I don't think we are being faithful. Um, He suggests that members must become more comfortable living in the questions of the Mormon faith. We need to be more courageous in discussing fraught topics or fraught subjects. Mm -hmm. We don't know everything. It is, life is a process in and of its own. 
of its own, of itself, whatever. And <laughs> like we're we're just trying to learn here, and we have no place and no reason to judge one another. And hopefully that is not happening. That not what our church is supposed to be that is definitely not what god wants of us i can say that much the most important aspect of that is um like it says it's not shameful if we address it with humility Mm -hmm. and acknowledge the humanness of this process like being humble Mm -hmm. is so important it's so easy and i think a lot of the reason so many of these topics become have become taboo and people don't want to change the way they think about them is because when we're young we have a lot of questions we pray about it we feel like we get an answer and then we never ask again and I think that having the humility to acknowledge that maybe my personal bias led me to an answer along with the spirit and maybe that answer was right for me at the time mm-hmm. and then now as I've gotten older and I have a different perspective on the issue I can pray about it again and again be humble and really listen to what Heavenly Father has to say to me then as I have brought new information one of my good friends um, she's not one of my good friends an acquaintance of mine <laughs> in Utah um, is a therapist and she's also a black female member of the church and she has a lot of great comments on things like the um, policy from 2015-2019 about the racism in the church and things like that and she recently said what is it she said she said um, good revelation comes from good information oh. and so we as we get older as we take in more information and learn more about the world we can take that information and apply it to revelation and apply it to our prayers and ask for more information from Heavenly Father. And being mm-hmm. humble enough to change our minds is so incredibly important and so incredibly difficult. I love that. I yeah. think I agree 100% with what both of you have said, that the more we acknowledge, like she says in this, the humanness of this whole process, the more we acknowledge the fact that we don't know everything the more that we acknowledge that we're imperfect and fallible humans and that Heavenly Father really put us on this earth to go through these tests and trials to learn more and to figure out how to become more like him. And through that, it's going to involve changing our thoughts, changing our opinions, trying to align our will with his Mm -hmm. and changing who we are at a core to become more like him. The more we change, the more we are working and striving on that path to becoming more like the Savior. And the more that we have this opportunity to grow and to learn and to find all of these new and exciting opportunities. And it all starts when we humble ourselves and we ask questions and we start talking about things openly instead of hiding them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that really covers it. And if there's anything else that our listeners would like us to talk about and to bring up, we are more than happy to dive into any taboo subject um, (laughs) because I think we are pretty humble and we're very curious and we're okay being awkward. So we'll get it started (laughs) for you. We would love to hear your thoughts Mm -hmm. more. And if you would like to be like Crystal and be a guest on our episodes, (laughs) we kind of roped her into this. We volunteered her for being our first guest, honestly. (laughs) But thank you for having me. I got a lot less nervous as we continued talking. So So I was very nervous about sharing my opinions with the world. Because as I told them before we started recording, Mm -hmm. I... I have very strong opinions about myself, my life, my beliefs, all that. Mm-hmm. But actually putting them out there permanently to the world is a bit scary. Mm-hmm. So thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining <laughs> us today. Any opportunity that we have to really have these kind of discussions. Kaylee and I mm-hmm. talk about these things all the time. Yes. On the air and off the air. <laughs> Like, we're always talking about random Mm -hmm. things and talking about the deep topics and 
having these crazy discussions. Bring and on so the hard it's stuff. it's great to have an extra opinion, an extra mm-hmm. mind, and an extra mouth to be able to vocalize yep. these opinions too, and to mm-hmm. give us more than just what we throw off of one right. another, right? And to teach us along the way. So thanks for joining mm-hmm. us today, Crystal. Thanks, girl. Thanks for letting me be here. Thanks for forcing me to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) And thanks to you all. So Mm -hmm. keep listening. Share your ideas. Mm -hmm. Share your thoughts. Please let us know. Mm -hmm. Smoke signal us if you must. Yeah, that'll work. And again, I live at one, two, five. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyways, thanks, guys. All right. Peace out. Thank you for listening to another episode of Masterpiece Theater from PBS. Just kidding. Thanks for listening today. If you have any thoughts from this episode, things you want to hear in the future, or just want to be friends, email us at funeralpotatoesforthesingles at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. 